Hey, everybody, it's Free Association on the Sportsnet Podcast Network. I'm J.D. Bunkus. He, in the orange, is Donovan Bennett. I am in the red, as in my forehead. I didn't know that you could get a sunburn in late September. Uh, I, I pretended like I was a big UV guy. You know, I stepped out onto the beach on over the Saturday. It was one of the last nice weekends, and I thought, uh, I'm a big UV guy. I know a lot about UV. Uh, and uh, the UV is low right now, boys. The UV is low. Turns out UV is not really a thing I know anything about, and uh, I paid the price. Uh, I have a sunburn in after Labor Day weekend, which I, I got to say, like it's it's got to be just about unprecedented in this country how late I went. I might have a record. Uh, yeah, UV, also something I don't know about. It's not a, an issue that I've faced in my life, so I can't. I, I can't give you any words of advice there. I'm supposed to have like, I guess, serums and things to avoid like having my skin look bad as I get older. I think I'm just going to look like a, a leather handbag. Like, I think I'm going to age really poorly. Do, do you think you'll age well? Like, you and I are both of the vintage where we look younger than our ages, right? Would you agree? I would say maybe act younger than our ages. Um, <laughs> I mean, historically, <laughs> black is known not to crack. So I'm... I'm yeah trying to fulfill that stereotype if i can that's a great um, stereotype so uh, yeah we have, Although, have some that are positive i was gonna say if it does crack though then you're like oh boy like this is now now the pressure's on so we're here we're in the we're in the conference finals i can i just ask you one quick question about it first of all based on the play that you've seen is it easier or is it harder for you to swallow the raptors loss i guess harder because the team yeah. that are playing are all Flawed. I mean, the Miami Heat Same. were as good as they played, and like as much as they want to tell you about Heat culture, they've had double-digit deficits in the last five games. Which I guess mm -hmm. credit to them for coming back, but also I mean they're flawed. That's why they're behind in such a big way. I mean, yeah, I, I suppose more difficult only because I fully expect the Los Angeles Lakers to romp easily to a championship and um my maybe best memory of the bubble aside from og's game winner was the raptors first game in the bubble when kyle lowry single-handedly beat the lakers and so could that happen over the course of a seven game series why not so yeah i, I guess it's more difficult to take i suppose but yeah, that's, that's how like, i that's, feel about that's basketball though right like styles <laughs> make fights in boss in boxing and basketball is the same like if 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 milwaukee doesn't face miami and they face boston i think milwaukee's probably still playing so it's, it's the league of matchups and i think the one team that really really was not an advantageous matchup for the raptors is the one that they happen to play in the second round yeah that's that's what i think is the thing that i can't get let go of like i'm watching these games and i am enjoying them i'm, I'm loving watching jamal murray continue to ascend um Someone asked me the other day, I, I did a podcast with a couple of guys. They asked me, you know, who the athlete of the year is, is uh, the Canadian athlete of the year. Is it Alfonso Davies or is it Jamal Murray? And I said, it's absolutely Alfonso Davies. Like, we've never had a Canadian who is, you know, arguably the best player on the best team in all of soccer, a sport that is played by more on the planet. But the fact that it's even a conversation, that people would even bring it up, considering what Alfonso Davies has done, is incredible. It's an incredible achievement by Jamal Murray. I, I'm a huge LeBron James fan. I am appreciating watching LeBron James. 
Uh, I like, as much as it pains me to admit this, I, I do enjoy the, a lot of the Celtics players. And so watching Jason Tatum work through early playoff kinks is really of interest to me. And the Miami Heat are definitely my favorite remaining team in the bubble, just in terms of like player composition, where they play tough, they have multiple closers, they shoot the ball well, they're well coached, they're never out of a game. I, I, like, I like the teams, but I think what you said is correct. It's, it's that the Raptors kind of ran into one group that really puts a lot of pressure on their flaws. And I, I, they went to a game seven and could have won. Like if Norm Powell lays the ball in, if he beats out a, a terrific Marcus Smart block, who knows? Maybe they end up winning that game. They got that game out. The Celtics have shown a propensity to kind of fold. Like part of those leads that you mentioned that the Heat have, have dug themselves into, they've also been able to crawl back out of because of the Celtics' composition. And yeah, the Raptors had a series where Pascal Siakam was a real strain on them. One of their best players, if not their you know, MVP player, the guy that finished second all NBA this year. And they still took the Celtics to a game seven and were right there on the brink. And so I do watch these games and think, man, they could have won. They could have won a finals. And as good as there have been other Raptors teams in the past, and like, you know, we've had expectations for the group. I've never had a, a Raptors team that got eliminated. And I thought, well, they could win a championship because the Warriors were there during their, their best teams. LeBron was there in his prime during their best teams. Like had they even beat him, they would have gone to a finals and had to face the, the, the lineup of death. And I never thought that they would have been able to accomplish that. So this is a little bit of a weird feeling in that I, I haven't gotten over the loss in the same way that I have in years past where like I watch a finals and say, well, the Raptors don't belong. Like I, I watch these series and I think the Raptors absolutely belong. I think the Raptors are arguably better than every single one of these teams. Like it's not, it's, it's not a reach. Yeah, I mean, that's a feeling that's probably not unique to Raptors fans. Yeah. Right? I think Milwaukee Bucks fans feel like their team should s still be playing and that they should have beaten the Heat and could beat uh, the Celtics or even the, the Lakers in a seven-game series. I, I think the, the, the fan base that should be the most distraught, if in fact they do have a fan base, is the Los Angeles Clippers. Did you because, see the picture of Clipper Daryl? Uh, I did not. They, he lost a bet and they, he had to wear all Lakers gear and he had to post his Twitter account as Laker Daryl. And he's wearing a Lakers mask. And I've never seen anyone look sadder through a mask before. Like you can tell it's just full frown and fully like the soul of a broken man. But anyway, sorry, you were saying about the Clippers. They, they at least have that one fan. Yeah, for now, I suppose. I mean, I, I think to... to come full circle and bring it back to your original point. I think the reason, aside from this individual team and how, how well they played this year, this Raptors team, the, the dis disappointment that I kind of see is, well, man, like if Kawhi came back, like back-to-back mm -hmm. -back is really in play be because as, as bad as the Clippers flame out is and as messed up as that team is, considering they don't have a first overall pick uh, basically for the next decade. Um, like the, the next time they're going to have a first, uh, first round pick, uh, the players who are going to be eligible in that draft are in grade six right now. Uh, it, it, as bad as all that is and the fact that the two guys they, they mortgage their entire team for could walk after next season, it, it, I think I learned – in watching that series that 
Kawhi Leonard is an alpha in terms of taking shots at the end of the game and making you know game-winning plays, which he did for the Raptors. But he's not alpha in terms of being vocal, leading a team, setting a team's culture. The, the Clippers had no culture. They 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 thought that they were going to have slogans like "one in the streets," um, you know, or "street lights," not showtime lights, something garbage like that. I butchered it, but it, it deserves to be butchered. Um, but they I think actually you have the culture it. that they built. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think you um, it. What is that? What is that dumb slogan? I don't know, um, but I know exactly. Street what lights instead of spotlights, yeah. or something garbage yeah. like that. Anyway, um, <laughs> you make me think about John Bon Jovi. Street well, lights, people. They, they, uh, they, they don't have that team. But but even Kawhi, he's never had to be that alpha. He had Manu and Tony and. TD and Popovich as a coach and Kyle and, and Fred could be vocal leaders and, and how perfect that match was. And, and so in a way, I'm almost mourning the fact that Kawhi's athletic ability is wasted with the team with no championship culture and, and the Raptors who have that amazing culture and probably improved on it this year. They're just missing that ultimate closer, which, which Kawhi is like, even though it was an arranged marriage for a year, it, in a way, it was like a perfect marriage that probably, no matter this Lakers team with AD or what the Warriors do next year, could have sustained for a long, long time. Yeah. A lot of arranged marriages are successful, right? Like, that's the word. So, I mean, some of them are at least. Every TV show I've ever seen where it's like the premise is that there's an arranged marriage. There's always like the grandmother or the mother who's like, I was scared of my arranged marriage. But then it actually worked out, and I've ne- I'm so happy that I met your father. That's like the sell job. They always give the daughter or the son that doesn't want to do it. And I think that you're right. It is the case for the, the Kawhi Leonard thing. And, you know, Raptors fans took a lot of heat in terms of outside people from this market looking and saying, well, that guy gave you a championship, and how can you ever root against him or blah, blah, blah. And I don't even think it was necessarily – well, I was rooting against him. I, I absolutely was. I wanted the Clippers to lose. I wanted – the validation. I'm petty like that. I enjoy schadenfreude. But I think for a lot of Raptors fans, it was just that knowing, hey, you know, we, uh, we were a good match. We were a good fit. And we had something that was special. And it's hard to replicate that. It isn't just one player. And when you talk about setting a culture, I actually kind of do think Masai, or sorry, Kawhi set the culture. And that was, it's a mercenary culture that he went to the Clippers and that it was, hey, this is no loyalty and we're all going to get together. And it's all for one purpose. And everybody was looking out for one another and what they are themselves and that they wanted one thing. And I'm not saying this to criticize Kawhi. Like, again, I don't think that very many people are angry about his decision because of the reasons that he made it like family and being at home, especially during a pandemic, like who, who isn't relating to that more, but from a basketball standpoint, it did feel good to know that at least this season, he was better off playing with the Raptors. He was better off in the Eastern conference. He was better off being the, the star of this team, the guy, the closer for this team, the half-court offense for this team, and being built around a bunch of absolute defensive assassins and guys who are extremely great complementary players who are all kind of uh, punching above their weight in that regard. That came in with a discipline. Like, just think about the focus of the Toronto Raptors, a team that had to go into the bubble, what, two two to three weeks earlier, right, when they first went to Florida, when they went to Naples and had to sequester themselves versus what happened with the Clippers and like Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Like I know those are kind of soft targets, but Hey man, it is what it is. The Raptors were the most disciplined team arguably in the bubble. 
and the Clippers were the least disciplined team. The Raptors never said die, and the Clippers kind of folded like a cheap tent in a game seven against a Nuggets team that punched them back in the mouth. Like this year, I don't know how you could possibly make the case that Kawhi Leonard made the right basketball decision. Like he didn't. Yeah, I wouldn't throw Montrez Harrell into that conversation because from what I understand, he didn't enter the bubble because his grandmother passed and he was spending time yeah. grieving that. And he, he, and it, But you saw the... He was really out of point, shape, though. Yeah, well, but you, to your point, you saw the real rust of a, a pandemic and then basically not being there for the you know seeding games and then just the sixth man of the year being thrown into playoff games and not being the sixth man year to me the biggest thing with clippers forget about the pettiness and whether or not you want to see Kawhi succeed without the raptors was in life arrogance will get you beat and arrogance will make you irrelevant and their entire approach was somewhat arrogant right like Mm -hmm. they overly load managed their entire team because only the playoff matters even though they didn't really build up great chemistry or like the number one seed for said playoffs they, you know, lost a 3-1 lead because they were somewhat arrogant. But even in the games that they won, they, they wildly had, you know, times when they were playing inspired basketball and then they would just shut it down and not commit defensively, which is what allowed the Nuggets to, to hang around in the series and in specific games. Like, they were just an arrogant team from Pat Beverly to playoff P, uh, going at Dame Lillard, who really has more... Uh, high notes in the playoffs that both of them combined and has, as he eloquently said, has kicked them out of the playoffs before. And so I love the fact that uh, Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum, CJ, who's playing like literally with a broken back in the playoffs, um, had fun on social media at their expense when they were bounced out of the playoffs. And so uh, I, I think in a weird way, like of the two LA teams, People are out here talking about the Lakers like they're the underdogs relative to the Clippers because the Clippers acted like mm-hmm. they were ordained to become champions. And so I will not miss the 2020 Los Angeles Clippers be- because they thought they were champions and were sizing themselves up for rings. Yeah, man. They, uh, were they, got them. they were just like yeah. even from the opening media conference. And I know it was sour for Raptors fans, but just like the way Ballmer is like, he was so corny in that thing. And, where he's the, the Larry O'B, the Larry O'B. It's just, but that's, uh, just you, bom- that's just bomber being I bomb. know, I know, but it's just, I'm just saying that organizationally, if you're a Raptors fan, they're top down annoying. Like, Balmer is annoying and he's over the top. Lawrence Frank, obviously annoying and over the top. I really like Doc Rivers. I can't really say that I'm, I'm not a Doc Rivers fan, but you mentioned it like Pat Beverly, Harold, oh my God, Morris, like with the stuff with Luka Doncic stepping on his heel and trying to punch him in the back of the head and then getting in the face of, of Paul Millsap and kind of tipping that series like they were just an insufferable team you're right the moments with Damian Lillard like they just they carried themselves in a way like they had done it before despite never having done it and well, I, I don't think that sports fans ever gravitate towards that I don't think sports fans are ever like I really hope those guys win like the the, the arrogant team that hasn't won and doesn't deserve the the praise that they lavish upon themselves yeah, I mean, it's all hypothetical, but you can make the real case that if Chris Stapps, one, doesn't get ejected, two, doesn't get hurt, mm-hmm. maybe they lose to the Mavs. Like yeah. that series, those games were more contested than I think we remember. And, and also remember Luca. Oh, I remember. Um, you know, did not finish a game because he got hurt yep. to bounce back and hit a game winner. So, um, you know, not to make this a, a Clip City, Chip City podcast, but um, I think 
the juxtaposition of the Clippers and how they were bounced out from the Raptors and how they were bounced out. They, they lost they, virtually in the same round, but they, they went out in an entirely different way. So take some sauce yeah. in that, Raptors fans. Yeah, I, and I think a lot of Raptors fans do. And I don't think that Kawhi Leonard regrets his decision, but I, I would like to believe that when he saw the way the Raptors were playing, that a, a basketball fanatic like himself watched that Raptors team, that he he did put himself in the shoes of the series at some point, that, that he would have really thought about it and wondered, you know, all things considered, would I would I want another ring? And I'm sorry, I, and I tweeted as such, but part of Kawhi Leonard's legacy will always be that he left a championship team and did not repeat and went to a group that flamed out in sort of a historic fashion. Um, pandemic or no pandemic, that those are the facts. So we've got some new things for you this NBA season. And no, it's not just Terrence Davis playing so well. We have a newsletter that will break that down and so much more. Our weekly newsletter from NBA editor Stephen Leung. It gives you original content, opinion, analysis. You can't find it anywhere else. And it is delivered directly to you right in your inbox. Sportsnet.ca slash newsletters. Just subscribe and we got you. So 2021, you know, Masai simultaneously gets a hey, you up text from two prospective free agents that are all NBA players. Giannis hits him on the WhatsApp. Kawhi hits him on the SMS because Kawhi's not adding another app to his phone. Um, who, who, uh, you've got one spot to, to play beside max level player Fred Van Vliet and, you know, Kyle Lowry, who's now on a hometown discount. Who 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 you uh, who you signing up? So I will answer the question, but let me just say that the first thing I do is like whatever it takes to get rid of everybody on the roster to clear it to make sure that you get both. If uh, they were interested, I'd be like, come play together. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, but if I had to choose one guy, I would I would definitely choose Giannis. And it just it's it's based on do I think Kawhi Leonard is the better basketball player right now? But heading into that free agency period. I just, I look at the age and I think that Giannis is only going to get improved. I think I look at the drive. Uh, When, you know, when you talk about things like culture, yes, the Raptors won with Kawhi Leonard as a part of their culture. But if I look at a guy who's going to be a culture builder for the next, you know, seven years, six, seven years with the Raptors, I would look at Giannis. And I, I just, I think you would get more years of him at his highest level. And then you also have to factor in that Kawhi does have lower body stuff, right? Like he does have to be load managed. And we don't really know how that's going to manifest itself the later we get in his career. It feels blasphemous. I'm sure that there are people who are like, yo, you're going to take the guy who hasn't won and who just got embarrassed in the second round over the guy who uh, has just come off of a championship and is, uh, and got you the Larry OB. But yeah, I think that my choice, if given this incredible hypothetical, it would be Giannis at this point in their careers. Yeah, I'd be honest. I mean, you're looking at one that's an ascending asset. And yeah. you're looking at another that is an asset that's hoping to stay at par, if not descend, but at some point will descend. You brought up the injury history, but to me, it's it's more about the interpersonal history. Like mm-hmm. Kawhi was great, and the, the entire country owes him a massive debt. But that doesn't mean everybody wasn't walking on eggshells around him for the one year that he was here, and that was just one year. And so signing up for that sort of relationship where you know that 
culturally, and it's the word that we continue to use, but interpersonally, Giannis is the opposite way in terms of how he is as a superstar. You know, affable would be the Scrabble word that I would use to describe him. So uh, it, would be, it would be, at the very least, like a much easier ease of use when acquiring mm -hmm. one superstar over the other. Uh, and I think stuff like that um, goes a long way. So I, well, too, I, I too, would say that uh, Masai would be, would be um, answering Giannis's WhatsApp message first. You're not leaving that on red for too long. Yeah, and, and I don't want to make it seem like we're disparaging Kawhi because, again, he's, I, like, I legitimately believe that if I needed to pick one basketball player right now to win one basketball game for my life, I would choose Kawhi Leonard over anybody else. I would choose him ahead of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I would choose him ahead of LeBron James. I, would, I, I just would. I, I, would, I would choose LeBron. I, I just think that Kawhi's defense is better and his shot making is better. And that, anyway, Does, they're close. Tr it's just, true. Does Kawhi yeah. make other people better? Yeah, I do. And I think well, his playmaking like drastically well, improved this year. Did, 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 you, did you see how the series ended with yep. the Nuggets? Like he didn't, I do. He didn't make other people better. Like yep. LeBron, LeBron. I think Anthony Davis is a lot better than, uh, than Paul George was in the playoffs, though, let's say that. But you know Paul what? It's a good point by Paul you. Because not, a, not a scrub. And I, and yeah, I actually no, like not. the rest of Kawhi's roster much more than I like the rest so of do I. LeBron's roster. So do I. But I, I think I love, that. I like his coaching staff more, to be honest. Yeah. I, I like the Clippers team. I thought the Clippers would have beat the Lakers had they got into that series. Um, I just, I'm just, it just, yeah, I, I can see the case for LeBron. Listen, I'm not saying that it's a bad pick. I'm just saying that personally it would be Kawhi. But to your point, um, you know what LeBron James did all year? He empowered Anthony Davis. He was like, this is Anthony Davis's team. I'm going to lead the league in assists. He kind of did the Kyle Lowry thing, which is I'll step into your shadow as you come here and let you assimilate the role of the alpha, I'll keep bringing it up as though you are the alpha. And I know LeBron just did the thing where he was pissed off about MVP. And so I don't know how that relates to it, but he did spend an entire year trying to make sure that that guy was as comfortable as possible. Did Kawhi Leonard do the same thing for Paul George? I would argue not. I would say that he did not spend an entire season trying to make sure that Paul George was the guy and saying that they're one, a one B and you know, or one, a one, a like, so you're right. There's differences in leadership styles. There are differences in how you build a culture, how you build a team, how you build a champion. But yeah, just one game, one time, I'm, I'm still taking Kawhi. But yeah, I, I, I would have to think that you're leaning towards Giannis. Let, let me transition and get into what we wanted to talk about today using this as a pivot point, which is we both agree that the only path, the only path for the Toronto Raptors to get a you up text is if that what up text is going to the blackberry of masai ujiri and not some other place someone else that steps in that role whether it be bobby webster or anyone else when it comes to the 2021 free agency that the most important thing when it comes to the pitch is the pitch man himself masai ujiri who yet who has yet put pen to paper and and signed an extension you better put some respect on the name of the iPad or Microsoft Surface of Bobby Webster. You don't know who's <laughs> getting at no, BW? No, I do. I do know. And it's not, it's not him. It's you're putting know, faith. Messiah is getting Microsoft Outlook is popping right now. Yeah. He's, got, he's got to go through his clutter just to make sure right. that agents he doesn't know about are, aren't, aren't trying to holler at him. Yeah. I, listen, no disrespect to Bobby Webster. He's done a great job, and uh, it's been noted at this point of his career that he was really the, the brains behind bringing in Danny Green and that that part of the trade was very much his uh, brainchild. Like, he gets a lot of credit. 
Bobby Webster, I think, is a good executive. It's important locking him up. But yeah, Masai Ujiri is the, he is the Toronto Raptors. He's the most, I, I don't know. Somebody asked me the other day, would you rather keep Fred Van Vliet or Masai Ujiri? And I said, I'm sorry. I, I love Fred Van Vliet. He's an incredible defensive player. He's an incredible story. But I think it's easier to go find a point guard in today's market than it is to go find an executive who just almost transitions uh, the sport. Like Masai Ujiri, and I'll get to this in terms of his options and what he could do, but this is someone that we talk about, like everything's on the table for him. Like he could do whatever he wants with his career and his life. He is not a, how many executives around basketball do you think are like, I don't want to say dumb because obviously they're successful people and they're intelligent people, but are like really that good at their jobs out of the 30, like across all of professional sports, how many guys get jobs because they know somebody, they get overqualified, they get put into a role too fast and they make horrific decisions. Like look at, for example, say the Sacramento Kings who took Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. Like that stuff happens. You think Masai makes that mistake? Like Masai's track record is nearly impeccable. Like what do you think the worst thing on Masai's resume is? It's probably almost trading Kyle Lowry, right? That's the number one. And then number two is what? Letting Lou Williams walk in free agency? Like for nothing? I, like what's the second biggest mistake that Masai Ujiri has ever made? I mean, Bruno probably would be the biggest. Okay, mistake. sure. Yeah. Uh, but again, but, Bruno wasn't exactly the fourth overall pick in the draft. Like he was no. a late first round pick where they took a flyer and Masai hadn't got over his crush in Giannis Atenekumbo and missing out on that draft when he was dead right on that player before. So like, the importance of keeping someone like that who is respected around the NBA, who has a nearly flawless trade record, who has an, uh, an incredible ability at the draft to identify talent, who has been ahead of the curve when it comes to developing things like the G League and uh, facilities, who has been forward thinking when it comes to diversity in the workplace, who has identified Nick Nurse and walked away from the coach of the year, like who has repaired relationships with Kyle Lowry, who has gone out and made the trade for Kawhi Leonard, which is probably the most successful in NBA history in a, in a one-off. Like you, you just don't replicate those. And so the longer he goes unsigned, Michael Grange wrote a piece on this, the louder that it's going to get, the louder the noise is going to get. And I'll, let me just start by saying this. What scares me more than anything is that it reminds me of the Kawhi Leonard situation at this point, that we're not hearing anything. There's no real lean about how he's feeling about this. He's been very mysterious. He hasn't said that he wants to be here for a long time. I, maybe that's a power play. Who knows? There aren't any better NBA jobs out there, but I mentioned it, that this is a guy who could easily go to the Premier League. This is a guy who could easily step into a, a role outside of basketball. I don't know what that would be necessarily, but... You look at someone who was who dealt firsthand with being racially profiled by a police officer who then heads into a pandemic where race relations are now at a um, have, have greater visibility than like ever and where it feels like we're trying to capture a moment. And he seems to be at the forefront, the tip of the spear with that, with the NBA, who knows how he feels about his future and how he feels he can impact the causes that he cares about most, maybe that he cares about something outside of basketball. Um, I just find it very interesting that we, we don't have a sense of where he's at at this point in an offseason when he's entering a lame duck season, which is something that you don't see in sports with executives. 
Well, I mean, everything that you said for the last six minutes is not, it's not new. It's not surprising. Everyone knows that he's indispensable, including him, including Larry Tannenbaum, including everyone who's listening to this podcast, which is exactly why he would not sign a, an extension. Because wh- why would he? He has a, a blank check. He has uh, the, the black American Express card. Like he, He's got it. He's good. He knows that whenever he wants to resign, the, the, it's, it's a very short conversation. So there doesn't need to be any talks. The real talk he needs to have internally is what he wants to do uh, with his next step. But he's doing the work of making sure that nurse is around for a little bit. He's already talked about the fact that um, the conversation is underway in terms of securing Bobby Webster uh, for the foreseeable future until some other franchise comes and gets him. And so I, I just, if I'm in an agent and I'm advising Masai Ujiri, am I telling him when his deal's not up right now to sign anything that's put in front of him? No, why would you? You have all the leverage, you have all the power. You can only work to increase that leverage, increase that power in the interim by the time the deal elapses. You can't do anything really aside from some sort of unforeseen scandal to decrease that power. So why, if, if, if that offer was in my DocuSign account, I wouldn't sign it either. And so I, 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 to me, the real question is whether or not he wants to continue to lead a basketball organization. Yeah, after me too. 2021. Like, Masai Ujiri is a leader, full stop. So the question is, what does he want to lead? Is mm-hmm. it more so philanthropic and using more time and energy in that sense? Is it political? Um, you mentioned other sports. Um, but, but, like, you, if he went to um, a round of visits with, with different... Uh, venture capitalists in Silicon Valley and needed to get a bunch of seed money for a startup in X. Is he not leaving those coffee shops and boardrooms? All the money. With he the amount the money. of money that he yeah. needs? Yeah. So the, his, his opportunities He's walking out of there with screws are, duck pockets. Are, are endless. And so I, I, I just, there's no friction for him to commit to anything earlier than he absolutely has to. Even if his deal elapses. And he's basically working in the interim under the provisions of the previous deal. Uh, he, he's not he's not feeling any pressure. So to me, that's why it's really like until we hear of an actual story, it's a non-story. Because if I'm Masai, you're damn right I'm not signing anything that Larry Tannenbaum puts in front of me right now. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, like the, what you just outlined there is that you're more optimistic that he stays or you believe that he is more likely to leave for something that isn't basketball. I just I, I, I think whether or not he stays has very little to do with what the Toronto Raptors do, because agree. they are going to they are going to back up the Brinks truck. They're going yeah. to give him the keys to the castle, if that's possible, more so than they already have. So there's like there's they can sleep at night knowing there's literally nothing. We can do. This is going to be a personal decision uh, on him. And Reed Hastings, the you know, CEO, founder of Netflix, has um, a leadership strategy uh, in terms of his companies and his culture. Obviously, Netflix being, you know, the, the one in question, where they evaluate talent, and it's the keepers method, right? The methodology of keepers, and we're not talking about goalies. We're talking about 
all of our talent, we think to ourselves, if this person had another opportunity, would we fight to keep them? If yes, they should be here. They're making us better. They're making us compete at another level. The answer is no. If we would be like, oh, good luck in your future endeavors, then we probably shouldn't have them here. And we should actively remove them because we only want people who are rising the tide and lifting all boats. Like, it's not a debate if Masai Ujiri is a keeper, right? He clearly is the keeper of all keepers. So there's nothing that the Raptors can do to show him more so than they naturally would that, like, this is a good place. In fact, that's what scares me. But that's what scares me if I'm a Raptors fan because. As much as I'm excited about anything, I'll be happy for Masai Jiri regardless of whatever he does, right? Like if he decides to go to Leicester City and be the, I don't know, the whatever they have there, the president of Leicester City. If he goes and, yeah, he goes and does a, a, a Ted Lasso situation where he goes across the, the pond and uh, you're not paying attention to that show. It's an Apple show with uh, Jason Sudeikis where he's an American football coach that goes and coaches a, a, a European soccer team. Yeah, so I've if, seen the commercials, but no, yeah, not if, much. If he goes and does that, I, I actually immediately care about that team. Like I start rooting for them as though they're my own club. Um, if he wants to move into philanthropic ventures, I think that's uh, great for him. But ultimately, I want the Toronto Raptors to succeed. And so for my own selfish means as a Raptors fan, and I think a lot of Raptors fans feel this way, I, like, I want the guy to stay. I certainly don't want him to leave for another basketball situation. This is, these are the things that scare me. One is that, you said it. The Raptors have already done everything. The only kind of – there are two Raptors theories that I've had, which are the only potential uh-ohs. One is that maybe he feels – and I don't think this is true. I'm just putting it out there as a hypothetical – that maybe he felt a little slighted that the Raptors did not come rushing to him after they won the championship with an extension, that they wanted to wait and that they didn't do it as they were celebrating the title and immediately offer him the moon and the stars and that – that in some way has um, that has made him think a little bit longer about where he wants to be and feeling appreciated and all that stuff. Two, I, I don't think it's likely. Two is that MLSE might not want to pay into the luxury tax the same way that they have in the past, given the pandemic. That they look at this and say, you know what? I'm sorry, we're not going to offer Serge Ibaka twenty eight million dollars for one year contract and pay those prices. Like I'm just, I, well, I can I can tell you two is not the case. Okay, the case. all right, and okay. in fact. In fact, two, it may be the differentiator between MLSC and some other NBA franchises who might be, you know, clutching their, their wallets a little bit tighter, not knowing what the financial future is of the league and specifically the organization, how they're going to be able to fill buildings and make revenue. And here is why, which is what puts the Raptors and MLSC in a very unique uh, circumstance. Here is why they will be intrinsically motivated to, to not be conservative in this moment and to continue to be um, a player and, and making deep playoff runs and spending whatever they have to to make sure that happens. It's because if the Raptors aren't in the playoffs, if they're not playing well, meaningful games and, and, and setting year after year record highs in terms of viewership and ratings, if, if you know, Raptors fans aren't consumed with this podcast and reading articles by, by Michael Grange, that, you know, it's not just the Raptors who hurts. Rogers hurts. Bell hurts. Like, the, the, the reason why they are even more motivated for the Raptors to be good and have a deep run is because it helps both sides program that television 
and it helps all of those sponsors be excited and want to spend money. And so I, I do not think that the f- real fears fiscally for the league and for teams is going to make the Raptors more conservative. The opposite. I think it's going to make them more aggressive because they know that this team needs to be performing and making money, not just for themselves, but for everyone around them who eats off of them. So then if we eliminate those two theories, then we're left with what is, to me, the more likely outcome, which is that Masai, as someone who has helped groom Bobby Webster, has maybe looked at this and said, hey, you know what? You're ready. You're ready to take up this mantle. You've done a lot, and uh, I'm ready to kind of get close to hand the car keys over to you. Nick Nurse has gotten paid. I've extended Siakam. I've won a championship here. I won an NBA championship. Like, does he look at doing that again as a greater challenge than winning in another sport or moving into, like, again, a a different role in a different profession? I don't know, but I I just have – I don't know Masai Ujiri, and I, I don't know what makes him completely satisfied, but I, I kind of believe that guys like him are thirsty for more and, and greater. What do we say with the Knicks thing, right? It's like one of the things that would attract him to the New York Knicks is the idea that if he won in two different places and he won with the New York Knicks, that it, it would be just a completely different level of achievement and that would put him in a stratosphere that is essential, like not unparalleled, but like into the greatest builders of the game conversation ever. And does he view the Raptors job as the challenge that will satisfy him? That's going to be, I think, the heart of the question for him. That is what is going to hold up this deal. And that is what would keep me up at night if I'm a Raptors fan, because I I have a tough time understanding how, how that makes as much sense. Like, does attracting Giannis in free agency or getting that chance in 2021 with the Raptors, is that bigger than potentially working for a Premier League club? Well, I mean, we're all speculating. I know, but that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's what we do. We're just having a, a conversation. A year from now. But I would say, based entirely on what Musai Zuri tells his Giants of Africa campers and his slogan of that entire platform, what's the advice he gives them? Dream big. Right. And so in his current spot, to me, dreaming big isn't coming back as a president once again with maybe a little bit more right. power than you have a fraction of it. To me, dreaming big is OK, like I've groomed Bobby Webster and he's ready to be the president of an NBA franchise. So might as well be this one. And then the GM will be maybe Dan Tolzman or Teresa Rush or Brittany Donaldson or, or Keith or whoever is next in that pipeline. And yeah, I'll be the president of MLSE of or mls sports and then like a, a a separate faction that's just over let him the run the leafs teams. honestly like that's the best path forward let him run the leafs let offer him that job be like hey you can be the president now of this too like you're of both teams then he can satisfy the cross sport thing too i don't yeah i can i i, I can only imagine him at a, a leafs <laughs> end of year presser you know talking about uh you know their coursey and uh, their puck possession and, <laughs> and whatnot. Um, the, the, it, I, I, to me, I, I, if again, this is just me putting myself in his shoes and in his mind. I think that you, you're you're going to want to level up. You've, yeah. you've shown that you're very good at what you've done, and you've won a championship. And so, when you have the leverage, you want to you want to get a little bit more spots on the uh, on the monopoly board. And so, 
these are these are roles that currently are not vacant but like uh as as a wise person you know once told me that like an org chart is just a structure to figure out how we can keep talented people Saeed Juri is a talented mm-hmm. person they could figure out a role title responsibility to keep him but also elevate him so that he's having a much uh wider impact imagine him going into a city council meeting on behalf of MLSC real estate about what they're going to do with like land by the water like is he not getting some government money for that land like i think he is and so who knows if any of that interests him but uh i I think the point is he has the ability to impact uh winning and be a leader in other ways and so i'm not tripping over the fact that he hasn't signed his life for the next six years to you know take the red eye to brazzaville to find the next i don't think i don't think that that's my prediction. Even if he does sign an extension, uh, and I hope I'm wrong, even if he does sign an extension, that it will not be an extremely long one or that it'll come with some pretty heavy opt-out clauses, that he'll have financial security. That's the hope you have if you're a Raptors fan and you really want Masai Ujiri to stick around, which I don't think you should feel bad about. Like, I don't feel bad about it. Like, I, I want Masai Ujiri to be a Toronto Raptors executive. I want him to be running this organization. I hope he does it as long as uh as he possibly can as long as it interests him and i hope that it still does interest him my my thought is is that maybe he does look at it and say now is not quite the right time that the jobs that he wants aren't necessarily out there that when he dreams big it's not just settling to go to an organization that he's not 100 percent certain with that he doesn't want to mess with happiness and that he does look at the city of toronto and the impact that he's had here and says you know i'm, I'm not quite done and there is more that I can accomplish. And using the platform of the city, the country, everything, that, that these can all become greater things and that I'd like to stick around for a couple more seasons before I move on to that next venture. I think that, you know, the, the obvious thing to me here is that it's difficult for me to envision Masai Ujiri as the president of the Toronto Raptors or running the Toronto Raptors, you know, six, seven years from now, right? That, that eventually something will attract him bigger than this job. And that's not to slight it. Um, Let's wrap. Let's call it a day. We went a little longer than we thought we were going to. If you're a fan of this podcast, please subscribe. Please follow on Spotify. Please leave a review. That's always great for us. It really does help. Uh, You can share it on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram, at JD Bunkus, at Donovan Bennett, all of those nice and kind things. Uh, Any parting thought before we go? Anything else you want to get off your chest? No. Enjoy the basketball. It should be fun. Enjoy the basketball. Try not to think about the Raptors too much, all right? I'm J.D. Bunkus. He's Donovan Bennett, signing off for Free Association. We'll catch you next week.